Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. God's good. We're, we're going to jump in. Uh, we're walking through the book of 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter number 5, and we're going to just walk through uh, the first five verses today. We're kind of starting a, a, a series that we'll walk through over the next few weeks in First Peter 5, with this thought that we are sheep standing firm in the midst of a lion's lair. And so that's kind of where we're going. As we've been walking through First Peter, we've been reminded that uh, God has uh, called His people, His followers in the midst of this uh, crazy world that we live in to walk with victory. Uh, and, and it's this thought that we have been born again into this living hope, that we have a sure victory, and we are fighting from that sure victory through, not around, the path of suffering. And so we walk through difficult times in uh, this life, and as we stand for Jesus, as we live for Him, uh, all those, uh, Paul wrote, that uh, live godly lives in Christ Jesus will face persecution, that we will face hard times. And in the midst of those hard times, Peter knew that these people were going to need godly Leadership, And so one of the good things about walking verse by verse through the Scripture is we don't miss anything. And so today I'm going to preach a message to me and I'm going to let you guys listen in if that's all right. Um, and I believe we'll find application for all of our lives. There's great application to me, to other pastors that are here today. We had a couple of pastors in our early service. I think I counted four uh, in here today. And so grateful um, for just the way God has uh, encouraged me through all of you. And so here's a sermon by the pastor for the pastor that you can lean in. But I want to encourage you that uh, there's going to be tremendous application for us all. And and as Christian leaders, as people, there's a secondary application in, in this passage that you can lean into. And so there's things that you can remember and apply to your flock. It might be a, a family, and you are, uh, as a, a man called the shepherd, your home. Uh, it might be a Sunday school class, spiritual leaders that are in uh, this room. And so we're going to, we all have spiritual influence in our lives. And so in the book of Acts, we see some terms used in uh, we're going to just really go quickly this morning and not really dig into a lot of these, but we see some terms like pastor. Uh, we see some terms like uh, shepherd. We see some terms like overseer. We see some terms like elder. And so when we see those kind of terms in the book of Acts, we see uh, elders and pastors are used interchangeably, uh, overseers. Uh, we see that word used uh, interchangeably in the book of Acts, and you're going to hear some familiar terms and then we see writing later um, uh, that we see to Paul's letter to, to Titus. We see uh, Paul's writing to Timothy. It gives some more uh, perspective in some of these words. But we see the word elder, which is in the Greek is presbyteros. And there's this thought of where we see a, a church denomination. Right? We see Presbyterian churches really take on this uh, name uh, from this word. It's the word elder. Uh, it would say that I am a presbyter or an elder uh, in this church, this thought of, of the, the word just at its core means older, but it gives this picture. Pastor, shepherd, poema in the Greek uh, is this thought of a shepherd or a herdsman. 
The word oversee, episkopos, which is, you see like the Episcopal Church uh, carries that name. And so you can see in some different things. Ah, I felt like Bruce there for just a second. That turned my head up. But there's this picture of, of bishop or this thought of a, a person that's overseeing or watching over, nurturing, and caring for the needs of the church. And so some of these different perspectives and how um, they apply some of that scripture. And so we're not going to try to dig into that. Uh, today, but in First Peter chapter number five, we see Peter start out this passage with the word "therefore," and he says, "Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed." Now he says this word "therefore," and if you remember, uh, anytime we see the word "therefore," we want to know what it's there for, and so we look back into chapter 4, and I'm not going to try to really dig into that, but if you remember, it started out with this reminder that judgment would begin at the house of God, and then it finishes this chapter with this thought of entrusting their souls into this faithful uh, creator, into God himself, and this word entrust, it's the same word that Jesus used from the cross when he said, into thine hands I commit my spirit, so we see that, and there's this thought though, this finishing thought that judgment begins in the house of God, and I believe Peter was marinating uh, in Ezekiel when he was writing uh, some of these things. He, he makes this statement uh, in the ninth chapter of Ezekiel. We read this. He says, and, and there's this season of God's judgment that is pronounced, and Ezekiel writes, and God uh, reveals, and he says, start from my sanctuary. And there's kind of a fascinating, it's in, it's in Ezekiel chapter 9, uh, verse 6, if you want to look into that a bit, a bit later. But at the end of that verse, it said, so they started with the elders who were before the temple. And so Peter said, hey, it is time for judgment to begin in the house of God. And then he says, it begins in the elders. And so when we pick up this passage, that's the context that this is coming in. And in all likelihood, I believe Peter was marinating on Ezekiel when he finished chapter 4. And then he says, I'm writing to you as a, a fellow elder, right? We see him speaking in that. And there's this humility uh, that we could see in that. There's this, maybe he's sympathetic to the things that they were facing. But he says, I, Peter, am writing to you as a fellow elder. I love that thought, right? And maybe people think, hey, maybe he was coming down to their level. But I think what Peter understood and what I want you to understand is that, that we, uh, and, and as a pastor of this church, one of the greatest honors of my life is to pastor this church and the great people that God has assembled here. But I want you to understand that we are a moment on the mission of God. And I believe that, that Peter understood his position in Christ. And he said, you know what? It, it's not about me. It's about him. And he said, I come to you. Uh, and there's, there's Peter didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm the first pope and you better listen to what I have to say. Peter said, hey, I am a fellow elder. He said, this is who I am. And you, uh, he said, I come alongside you in that. And I believe Peter was was just leveling that place, right? And he says, hey, I come to you as a fellow elder. And then he gives this exhortation, and he says this, shepherd the flock of God among you, verse 2, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So this word shepherd, some of your translations might word, uh, you might see the word feed, there, but there's this picture of someone that is shepherding or pastoring, uh, someone that is uh, leading or guiding or caring for sheep. Now, when you think about sheep, we're not, you know, you know, all through the Bible, we're referred to as his sheep. And, you know, my father-in-law showed me a video the other day of this 
uh, this, this bear fighting this wild boar, and it was just like this incredible fight that they were having and these things that were there. And we think about all the animals that we could be referred to, and he refers to us as sheep. Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us. Right? Remember that? Entrust yourself into the faithful creator. He says, it is he who made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, sheep are not the, the most brilliant animals in the world. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're, they're like the only animal that can get a couple of miles from their house and can't figure out their way home. I've shared with you how much I struggle with direction. I, I understand that thought. Like, you got homing pigeons. You can kind of put those things out, and for miles they can go. But a sheep... You get them off by themselves, and there is no way they're finding their way home, right? They're prone to wonder, and, and if they get off by themselves, man, what kind of prey are they? Sheep are, are animals, right, that, you know, we, we, we think about this, this uh, wandering sheep, and we think about sheep, they'll actually eat so much. Did you know a sheep will eat so much he will actually eat himself to death? Like, eat it. like some of y'all almost did that at homecoming one year, seriously, but... They'll eat until they literally kill themselves, right? They're, they're that kind of people. They're, they're, they're the kind of person, and, and, and sheep are animals that don't have a reverse button. I, don't, I had a friend that had a car, and the car didn't have reverse. Anybody ever had a car that didn't have reverse? There, there's like, yeah, some of you are like, and, and so you have to park in creative places. Uh, you have to figure out a way that you can park and you can pull out. Sheep don't have a reverse button. They just kind of get into a crevice or a crack, and they just kind of keep working their way in further, right? Does that sound familiar to anybody, right? And they're more chicken than a chicken. You'll never see like the sheep video where they're fighting to the death with another animal, right? It's just not there. And, and if you scare a sheep, sometimes they'll just like fall over, right? But, if, but a sheep will run. And guess what? If they run, one sheep gets scared and runs and runs off a cliff. What do the rest of them do? Yeah, they just follow and go right with them. It's crazy. That's how they are. They get on their back. It's my understanding. I, I want to try this sometime, kind of, but, but it's like it's my understanding that you can get one on its back and have its feet up, and it just can't do anything but run. Like, that it has to have the shepherd, right, roll it back over. It has to have help. That's the kind of picture, right, that they are helpless, completely lost without a shepherd. I love in Psalm 23 when they wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want to have everything that I need. He said he leads me beside the still waters, right? They have to be led to the place that they can drink and that they can have food, and they're afraid, so afraid of the fast water, so afraid of those things. I, I think about Jesus' words when he looked out at the crowds, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 that he looked out upon the crowds and he had compassion for them, that it literally it, it was wrenching. He's got, he looked at them and he was moved with compassion. And he saw these people and he said that they were distressed and dispirited as sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, right? He said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he said, pray that the Lord would send workers into the harvest. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. I want to remind you that this is his church. And the church is a flock that's been purchased by his own blood. Acts 20 verse 28 says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. He says, you need to be on guard for yourselves and for 
the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So a shepherd's job is to preserve and protect the sheep, and he calls under shepherds to care for his flock. Now, I remember one time I had a wedding, and at the end of the wedding, uh, there was this guy, and he was the DJ, and he did a really good job, and he said, hey, if you're ever not able to do a wedding, he's like, I went online, I got my like ordination and everything, he's like, I can do the whole thing. Like, I can marry him. I can do the DJ. He's like the Reverend DJ Jazzy Joe, right? And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, he's got like his thing. There's this thought, right, that you can go online and you can become a reverend by mail without any questions about doctrine, conduct, or character. But what we see in the Scripture is that everything is about doctrine, conduct, and character when it comes to the life of an elder, when it comes to these Things, right? And, and the person that God calls the shepherd is not looking for a title, but is called by God. And a, a good shepherd is motivated to please the master. He said, shepherd the, God, the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. Uh, you can put verse 2 on the, the screen and just leave it for a second. But you'll see this thought of exercising oversight. That's kind of the main thought. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. And then he gives some perspective below that. It would all fall uh, and the, the rest of this verse would fall under this overarching statement. And he would say that there's a motivation that a shepherd ought to have, that there's a motivation that there should be in there. And it's not under compulsion. It's not because of the pressure uh, of other people. It's not uh, in that kind of way. It's voluntary with a heart to please the Father, not uh, for sordid gain, not so that they can either monetarily have something or so that they're uh, popularity or prestige or uh, any of those kind of things, but it's because God has called him and it's for Jesus. I want you to know that it is an overwhelming thought that I have the privilege of doing what I do. I get to do, uh, and I get paid to do what other people die to be able to do in other countries. And it is a joy that God has given me to be able to invest my life in pastoring this flock and, and engaging in ministry of the Word of God. And we're to do it with eagerness, right? We're to do it with joy. And there's nothing. I tell people I'm the most blessed person in the world because there's nothing that, well, just a little bit of administrative stuff that, that, is not, that does feel like work. But almost like all of everything that I do never feels like work. It is a joy. And I'm so grateful for a church that takes care of its pastors and its staff. And we are so blessed. First Timothy 5 says the elders... In verse 17, who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. We praise God for that, but we don't preach for that. We are not motivated by that. A good shepherd is motivated by service to the master and by being called. A good shepherd protects the flock. In verse 29 of Acts uh, chapter number 20, we read, uh, verse 28 where he says, uh, be on guard yourselves and for all the flock. In verse 29 he says, I know that after my departure many savage wolves, right? He says these savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. Now God desires that, that this flock, this assembly of believers, his people gathered as the local expression of the body of Christ at Cowie Baptist, that we would multiply and that we would grow for the glory of his name. And, and when we do that, that's God's kind of math. It's multiplication. But Satan... He, his math, if y'all ever want to know like what Satan's math is, if you're in school and you see division, just be like, uh-uh, no, I can't do that. It's Satan's math right there. Because Satan wants to distract and he wants to divide and he wants to discourage. And if he can get sheep on 
their own. I want you to understand that we have, that he roams about, and we're going to see that in the coming weeks, that he roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he is looking for sheep that are isolated and that are separated from the body, that are separated in that way. A good shepherd protects the flocks. A good shepherd proclaims God's word to the flock. If you're in our Bible reading plan, uh, we're in 2 Timothy and in the passage for today, it's kind of like Paul was marinating, or excuse me, Peter was marinating maybe in Ezekiel when he was writing this. And today I'm marinating in 2 Timothy where he says that we should study thyself, uh, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so my job as the shepherd of this church, and you should uh, measure and always be holding a standard that, see, we come in this place under the authority of God's Word. And my job is to exegete the Word of God. And, and that word in, in the Greek, the, exegete, the, the picture of that is that I would take, and, and by the way, what the meaning, the original meaning of the text that we read today, it still means the same thing today. And, and we're to take and expose and, and pull out from the text the original intended meaning and apply to today's time and into the culture that we live in, but there's nothing new that I'm putting in there. And there's a danger that we can say, you know what, I'm going to read with a certain lens and I'm going to make everything fit my agenda and my things. It's called eisegesis and it's taking uh, this agenda and putting it in the Scripture. But our role is to exposit the Word of God and you get good doctrine by preaching through the Word of God and, and taking the Word of God and allowing it to speak for itself. So how does it apply to us today? Good Shepherd uh, exposes the Word of God, exposits the Word of God. He provides direction to the flock, right? And he does that through the Word of God. And he does that with a heart that says, not to Lord. Look at verse 3. He says, not yet as lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I am and Spiritual leaders are to hear from Jesus, right? We are to be led by God. By the way, when we think about our church, our church is set up and we're a congregationally led church, right? I mean, we think of that, uh, sometimes you think of that as a democracy, but I want you to understand something. We are a theocracy and we are ruled by God himself. We are led by God and he calls his under shepherds to lead and to love but not to lord over. There's this reality uh, that many times we can see that get the wrong direction, but a pastor needs to be close and hearing from Jesus and following him. And, and as Paul wrote, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be the heart of a shepherd, that we might point the flock in the right direction through exposition and through example. A good shepherd is to be an example to his flock. You know, when I first came to Cowie, um, came as a student pastor, and um, for the sake of time, I won't go into a lot of those details, but served for many years, um, and the pastor of the church, David Powell, at that time felt called away, and he shared with me, um, before he had shared with the church, that he felt like God had called him away, and, and I experienced tremendous anxiety in that moment. I kind of felt like the Sunday after they announced COVID was what it was going to look like after he left, like it would just be me and maybe a musician if I was lucky. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of walking through a process then of, of feeling like God was, was starting my heart to help lead through the midst of that transition time. Sherry had had a gallbladder uh, surgery, and she was supposed to come home that day, and I just kind of found out 
uh, all these things and, and ended up having to do a more invasive surgery. And so we were in the hospital, and I stayed with her. We had somebody come and, and stay the night with our, um, with our kids so I could be with her. And that night, I just opened God's Word, and I was reading in the book of Joshua and uh, read the end of, of Deuteronomy and, and just was, was really reminded of something. And, and I want to just make a statement this morning as we walk through this. There's this picture, and all of a sudden, uh, Joshua, here's the Lord. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead, right? And they've been mourning for like 30 days. And then all of a sudden, uh, God tells Joshua something, and I've never forgotten this, and I want you to, to know this. And, and this is why I think Peter says, hey, I'm just a fellow elder uh, among you. And he says, hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. And, and there's been this time of mourning that's going on. And then he looks out and he said, now get up and cross that Jordan. And what I understood that day was that the mission of God had not changed. And I want you to know that we gather today and the mission of God has not changed. And every pastor uh, that has served before me and every pastor that will serve after me, we are a moment on the mission of God. And it is an unstoppable mission until God calls us home. And we are on mission in the glory uh, for the glory of His name and it is his church i was wrestling with all those things a good friend of mine alan scroggs who uh was uh, ran a timothy barnaby barnabas conference and just a an incredible man of god i was telling him of the struggles of as the church had said you know what we we really feel like god is uh, has led us for you to be our next pastor and to to shepherd this congregation and i told them i was like y'all know i have no idea what i'm doing right And they're like yeah we know and i'm like okay good as long as you know but i was wrestling with this and i said hey man alan i I'm struggling and, and had just always confided in him along the way. And Alan said something to me, and I've kept this written where I could see it often. And I was sharing with him just the, the fears and struggles and all those kind of things. And he said this in a message to me. He said, report to duty and remain faithful to God, your wife, your family, and church family. And just always remember they need a shepherd, 1 Peter 5.2, and not a CEO. Just be who you are and grow right where God has you planted. And when we think about our life as followers of Jesus Christ, and, and as your shepherd, I am, and, and the pastors of this church, and those that God has called the leadership in this church, we are to be examples. And that example begins at home. And by the way, if it's not working at home, it's not working. You know, Pastor Chris is away on vacation this week, and a few weeks back, uh, Lindsay had shared um, just a, just this really sweet post about Chris on uh, social media. And as I watched it and as I thought about it, as I listened to it, I pulled them both off to the side one day and I said, you know, I'm so grateful for the way God is growing uh, in the midst of, that Pastor Chris is growing in the midst of all God's doing in him. Thankful for what God is doing in my life, but I've never been more proud of him than when I saw and heard from his wife how he was leading and loving his family. You know, Clark is going to get married here in just a short time. And Clark is part of a college group. By the way, if you're a college student, Pastor Chris leads a college group at his house. And Clark told me one day, he said, you know, this, the benefit and the blessing of being part of that is not simply that we're walking through the book of Revelation or not that we're doing that, but he said he's watching Pastor Chris love his family and serve his family. Now, I want you to understand something, that we are to be examples to you of what it looks like to lead and love our families. We are to be men that love God, men that love the people that God has, has entrusted into our care, men that love their families, and we are to be examples of that. We're to be examples in uh, private, right, of what we profess in public. We should reflect in the darkness what we speak in the light, and all of us should do that, right? If your Saturday night doesn't match your Sunday morning, 
then it's time that we change our name or change our behavior because God has called us to be on mission for the glory of his name and to lift high his name in the way that we live, in the way that we act. And, and, and I want you to understand, he sees everything, right? And it's time that judgment begins at the house of God, that it begins with the shepherds, that it begins with the elders, that we might be an example of the pursuit of Christ, an example in prayer, and an example of the power of the resurrection because I'm reminded of the man that penned these words, that following the resurrection on a day that Peter would have said, there's no way that you could use me to be an elder. There's no way that you could use me to proclaim the good news of the gospel. There's no way. I'm not qualified. I've denied you. I've done all those things that God restored him, that God equipped him, that God enabled him in the power of his spirit, that God in his spirit made him fit for office. And I'm reminded that God is still raising up people. He is still calling believers to shepherd and to care and to walk. He's calling us to live for the glory of his name. He takes a bunch of nobodies and he fills them with somebody. And he uses them to change the world as they submit to him and as they submit to the authority of his word. And we submit to him. Our goal is not to please people, but our goal is to please him. Verse 4, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Chapter 1, he said that we have an inheritance undefiled, kept in heaven, reserved in heaven. Right, we see that picture and he says we are to live to please him. Because one day the chief shepherd is coming back. Verse 5, we're closing uh, here. He says, but you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Paul is able to write in, uh, in his writing to the church at Corinth. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And it ought to be the heart of every believer in it certainly should be the heart of every elder, of every pastor, of every deacon in this church, of every person that we would say, you know what, God, I need your help. And we come humbly before God knowing that there is nothing good in us, that there is no way that in our own strength, there is no way, because here's the reality. I, when I read all those silly things about sheep, I'm one of them. Like the flag, like I'm still in this flesh and I still wrestle in this battle and, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me that, 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 that the life of Christ being pressed out through my life that I can lead and love and serve my family and that I can be an example we, we like to say that the life of a Jesus follower is not us living for Jesus but Jesus living his life in and through us and he says to all of us he says everyone all of you Live in humility toward one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble that we might all come together in humility and say, you know what, we're on mission for the glory of His name together as a flock, as a body of believers that we might follow Him together, that we might be found faithful when He returns. You know, there's a day He's coming back, Isaiah 40. And I love Isaiah 40. And when you read verse 11, it says, like a shepherd. And I love that passage. He says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock in his arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing use. Can I remind you that you don't ever see like packed sheep. They're not meant to carry burdens. They can't carry the burdens. But I'm so thankful that when our burdens are heavy, that we can cast all of our cares on him. That, that he said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? That we as sheep, that we have a great shepherd who carries and walks and, and helps us in the midst of those things, who carries the sheep. John chapter 10, we read about 
the great shepherd. He said, I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. But remember, John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And there's a lot of things about sheep that I don't like being referred to. There's a lot of things about sheep, man. They're, they're goobers, right? As, as Bruce said earlier, man, we do stupid stuff. We have all these kind of things. But I want you to know that there is tremendous value in being his sheep. And sheep are very valuable to the shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. We're going to go just into a time of worship, but I'm thankful that we are cared for by the shepherd. Scripture says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And in the midst of this crazy world, we have a great shepherd. Good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. In response, we hear his voice. And we follow him. We walk in obedience to the great shepherd. We come together in God's plan as a flock of believers with an under-shepherd and with leaders and those that are examples to the flock where we come together under the authority of God's word and under the direction of the great shepherd. I want to invite you this morning. We're, we're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. Maybe you're carrying a burden. Maybe you're weary in the midst of this life as you're walking through the difficulties and the, the hard times that we face. As I shared earlier, sheep, and we struggle to carry the burden. But I want you to know that we have the blessing of the body of Christ. We have the blessing of having the great and good shepherd that will carry us. That doesn't take us out of the midst of suffering, but leads us and carries us and gives us strength to walk through the midst of suffering with sure and promised victory that is coming. In the days ahead. So maybe you're heavy laden this morning. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ. You've never just responded to the gracious offer and gift of salvation. Maybe you hear him calling your name this morning. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we can be saved, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. You say, you know what, I'm, I've been wandering on my own and doing my own way, going my own way. But today I surrender my life. As we worship together, I want you to be obedient. As God speaks to your heart. Father, we thank you, Lord, for 
God, this body of believers, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being part of this family. And Lord, we come declaring our dependence and need for you. God, we come humbly before the very throne room of heaven. Lord, only possible through the blood of Christ. Lord, we are a body of believers, Lord, that have been purchased with your own blood. And we come, Lord, dependent on you. God, asking you to help us, Lord, to help us to be in humility to one another, Lord, as we stand under the authority of your word. And we do our best, Lord, to live for the glory of your name as one people. Lord, if there's any that don't know you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir in their hearts, that you would draw them, Lord, that they would respond to your gracious gift, Father, and that they would be saved today, Lord, that they would believe and trust you. Lord, have your will and way, Lord. You are our way maker, Lord. You are the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. Father, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?